What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian MMA Podcast. I am your host, and my name is John. And this week, we are back with episode 133, where we will be analyzing and predicting the UFC fight night going down tomorrow night, Saturday, February 6, 2021, headlined by Alistair Overeem versus Alexander Volkov. This 13-fight card will take place from the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada, which means it will take place in the small UFC cage. Just a quick recap of the last event, it was about 2 weeks ago, UFC 257, I only predicted 4 out of 11 fights correctly and lost 5.5 units in terms of official track bets, so a pretty awful event in terms of official predictions and bets, and I'm starting off the year of 2021 with 3 losing events, all 3 events have lost for around a total of about 11 or 12 units, so a pretty rough start to the year, but I'm looking to turn around, I'm still persistent through the tape study, and I still have a few betting spots I like for this card, so tail your own risk. You know we're starting off with a rough start to the year, but we're looking to turn that around with this 13-fight card coming up tomorrow night. So we're going to start things off with the first fight on the card. In the featherweight division, we have Ode Osborne taking on Jerome Rivera. The current betting line for this one on BetOnline is Osborne minus 216 to Rivera plus 186. Osborne was supposed to fight a guy named Denise Bondar in this fight at 140 pounds, but Bondar wasn't able to fight and they got Rivera to fill in on short notice. Rivera is actually mostly a flyweight, fought at flyweight just a few weeks ago, and is now fighting 20 pounds up here. And that's definitely worth noting, but I don't think it will have a huge impact on the fight. Osborne is kind of a small guy. He doesn't really cut weight to make 135 pounds, so I think both guys will be pretty evenly matched in size here. In terms of how these two match up, honestly, I don't think either of these guys are very good fighters, and I don't have a very strong opinion on this fight because both guys are sloppy, they're inexperienced. At least we've seen Rivera compete a lot more recently than Osborne, who's coming off of a year layoff, so I think this line could be a bit wide. Rivera should compete on the feet and possibly even win the striking exchanges. Osborne definitely has more power than Rivera. But Rivera has more consistent offense. I trust his output a little bit better, and I might even trust his defense a little bit better as well. In terms of grappling, both these guys are pretty bad grapplers. They both get taken down very easily. They both get stuck on their back. They both like going for guard submissions. So I realistically could see any guy ending up on their back here and just losing the entire round, possibly losing the fight on their back. So really, whoever gets on top of these grappling exchanges is likely going to win the fight as long as they can avoid that guard submission. So looking at this current betting line, I agree with Osborne being the favorite, but not this much of a favorite at close to 70%. I think 60% is more accurate. So I do think there is value on Rivera, but it's not a bet, uh, not a fight I really want to bet on because Rivera is not that good. He looked pretty terrible just a few weeks back. He's kind of a frail, skinny guy, doesn't really have that much going for him. So I expect this to be close just because Osborne is not a great fighter. And this is going to be a low-level fight, but it'll likely go to the cards and it's likely going to go Osborne's way. Not a confident pick at all, but I guess I'll go with Osborne by decision. The next fight takes place in the featherweight division. We have Martin Day taking on Timur Valiev. The current betting line is Valiev minus 400 to Day plus 300. I agree with where the betting line is at. I do think Valiev deserves this 80% price tag. Day is coming in here on short notice. Day doesn't have good striking defense. He's kind of got a weak chin. He doesn't have good takedown defense as well and can be submitted on the mat. So I think that Valiev should be the better fighter all around here. Valiev did lose his UFC debut in pretty embarrassing fashion. He was dominating Jones in that fight. He hurt him 
to the body, dropped him at one point and was swarming him with offense, but just couldn't put him away. He gassed out a little bit, got dropped in round two and got finished in that fight as a massive favorite. But as long as Valiev learns to control himself a little bit more, doesn't go completely ape shit trying to get that finish in round one. As long as he stays controlled, I think that he should beat Martin Day pretty soundly everywhere. He should outstrike him on the feet, possibly hurting him and put him away with strikes in the feet. And if Valiev chooses to grapple like he did a lot in the PFL, he should be able to take down and outgrapple Martin Day pretty easily because Day has terrible takedown defense and has been outgrappled by Dos Santos and Grant in his recent fights. So Valiev should win this fight no matter where he wants to take it. I actually think that Valiev's chance of getting a finish here is pretty high. Day is easy to finish. He's kind of fragile, and I think there should be a huge skill gap between these two. So I really think that Valiev could win by knockout, submission, or decision. And I think I'm going to go with knockout as my official pick. I'll go with Valiev knockout in round two. The betting line is accurate. I don't think there's any value on day. If you want to take day, go day by knockout because the best chance that day has at winning this fight is by knockout. So if you like day here, stab on that knockout prop. If not, then look for some value of props as well. So the pick, once again, value of knockout round two. The next fight takes place in the featherweight division. We have Sungwoo Choi taking on Yusef Zalal. The current betting line for this one is Zalal minus 225 to Choi plus 190. This fight was actually supposed to happen a few months ago, and Choi was a plus 350 underdog in that fight. Then Zalal went out and lost to Ilya Taporia, a very good fighter, and now the odds are a bit more reasonable. I agree with where they're at now. I definitely agree with Zalal being the favorite, but I cannot agree with his chances being higher than 65% here. So the betting line value is on Choi right now. There is some slight value on Choi money line. A prop for this fight I like if you have access to it is the Choi no scorecards prop on five dimes or bet online. That means if Choi gets a finish, you win the bet. If it goes to decision, you get your money back. And if Salal finishes, you lose. The reason why I like that bet is I think that Choi is much more likely to finish. We've seen Salal dominate opponents in the UFC and never really come close to finishing them. He was dominating Barrett and lingo in their fights and he just doesn't chase finishes he's not really active with submissions he doesn't hit too too hard so a knockout is not very likely so i think if there's a finish in this fight it's definitely more likely that it is on Choi's end with that being said i do think this fight goes the distance the majority of the time the current market-wide price is about minus 160 for goes the distance at around 60 percent i think it's closer to 70 percent honestly i don't think either of these guys are very likely to finish as i mentioned i do think the Choi is much more likely i think choi has got a little bit more power in his hands and if we see a, a finish in this fight i think it will be a Choi knockout I guess there's a small chance that Zalal is able to catch Choi on the feet and put him away with a knockout, and there's a very small chance that Zalal submits Choi because Choi was outgrappled by Mosfar Ivalev, a tremendous grappler, and was never put in too many dangerous submission spots. So I think it's pretty unlikely that Zalal finds his first finish here by way of submission. But I do think there is a good chance that we see Zalal shoot some takedowns. He is a pretty good grappler. Not the greatest defensive grappler, but he has offensive grappling he can lean on. He can hit takedowns. He can stay on top. And Choi has struggled a lot with defensive grappling in his career. Gavin Tucker took him down and submitted him. Mosfar Evlev took him down and rode him out against the cage. And I think the striking in this fight will be very competitive and might even favor Choi. He's got that long frame, that Muay Thai style with a lot of straight punches, a lot of front kicks. I think the striking will be very close here and might even favor Choi on the feet. I do have a problem with Choi's striking defense though. He's very open for right hands, doesn't have good defense to right hands at all. And he's also open for leg kicks as well. 
If we could rely on Zola to throw a lot more leg kicks, I would actually be more willing to trust him in this fight, but he doesn't really throw a high amount of leg kicks. He uses that in and out style. He switches stances a lot. And I just envision this striking being close between these two. And unless Zalal hits takedowns and is able to win minutes from top position, I envision this decision being very close. So I think the value is on Choi here. I'm going to be betting Choi no scorecards. Might even end up with a little bit of a stab on Choi money line. Uh, also, the goes the distance prop in this fight has some value on it. So a lot of bets in this fight have value. With that all being said, I'm going to be picking Zalal by decision. I think that he will do enough to win the scorecards here. So your no scorecard bet should get refunded. The goes the distance should cash. And it really depends if you want to take a stab on Choi or not. Very close fight. Should be an entertaining one. A lot of bets I like for this one. But ultimately, we'll be picking Yusef Zalal to win this fight via decision. The next fight takes place in the women's flyweight division. We have Molly McCann taking on Laura Procopio. The current betting line for this one is McCann minus 145 to Procopio plus 125. Full disclosure here, after losing my bet on Sarah McMahon last week, I believe I am retiring from tracking bets on women's mixed martial arts for the time being. So take whatever I have to say about WMMA with a grain of salt because I clearly don't have the eye for it. I'm not seeing things correctly. I've predicted so many women's fights wrong lately and I'm getting burnt on a lot of the bets. So maybe I should just stop betting them overall. So even though I'm not endorsing personal betting advice on these fights, I'm still going to be analyzing them, giving my thoughts on the betting lines. But maybe you just want to fade my picks, fade my opinions on women's mixed martial arts because I've been having some terrible luck predicting the fights and some even worse luck betting on these fights lately. So now that we've got that out of the way, let's talk about McCann versus Procopio. Procopio is dropping down to 125 pounds here. She also hasn't fought in about 16 months. Her first and only UFC fight was against Carol Rosa. It was a close competitive decision. Her boxing output looked good in that fight. She threw a lot of volume. She didn't have great defense, but she looked durable. Kind of similar to Molly McCann. She doesn't have good defense. She gets hit a lot on the feet, but she does come forward. She does throw output. But I think Procopio might have the better striking output of the two. Now getting down to the grappling between these two, both women like to hit offensive takedowns. But we haven't really seen Procopio's takedown defense tested before. She hasn't really had many opponents attempt to take her down. While we have seen opponents successfully take down Molly McCann, Talia Santos, Jillian Robertson did it with ease. They outgrappled her severely on the mat. So we know McCann doesn't have good takedown defense. We know she doesn't do well getting off of her back. So I do think that Procopio will attempt takedowns here. But even if it stays in the feet, I expect competitive even exchanges on either end. And considering that I think that Procopio is a little bit better of the overall grapple and I trust Procopio's striking output a little bit more, I will be picking Procopio to win a decision here. And Procopio's submission might be worth a stab as well because as I mentioned, I do think she's the better grappler. We've seen McCann get taken out a lot, spend a lot of time on her back, and we've seen her submitted in the UFC as well before. So the chance for Procopio to get a submission is on the table enough for that plus 900 Procopio submission line to be worth a stab. And I'm going to be picking Laura Procopio to win this fight as an underdog via decision. But do not forget what I said at the beginning of this fight. I don't know shit when it comes to women's mixed martial arts. I could be completely off on this one and tail at your own risk. The pick is Procopio by decision. The next fight takes place in the women's bantamweight division. We have Carol Rosa taking on Jocelyn Edwards. The current betting line for this one is Rosa minus 255 to Edwards plus 215. 
Edwards is coming in here on short notice. She actually fought and won a fight on short notice just about two weeks ago against Wu Yanan, making her UFC debut. She did get the win in that fight, but I don't think Edwards looked very good at all. Her striking was wild and uncoordinated. Her grappling was sloppy. I think with a different sequence or two in that round one, Wu Yanan could have won that fight 29-28 easily. I mean, Wu Yanan was winning round one and then went for a sloppy back tick. Edwards ended up on top, landed some ground to pound, and probably stole round one back. But one little different move from Wu Yanan in round one could have won her that fight. So Edwards won that fight by a very small margin. And I think that Carol Rosa is going to be the better fighter everywhere, especially in the striking. Rosa has very solid striking output. She's got good boxing. She's got some pop behind her punches as well. Rosa can also hit takedowns. She hit takedowns and landed a lot of ground and pound versus Vanessa Mello in her last fight. And she has three rounds worth of cardio. She can throw high output for three rounds. She can wrestle. She can throw ground and pound the entire time. So I think that Rosa is much more proven in terms of beating better opponents. I think she's got the better striking. She might even be the better grappler as well. So I really favor Rosa in this fight. I think she deserves the current price tag that she has. And I expect Rosa to win this fight by a pretty lopsided decision, 30-27, 30-27. We might even see a finish somewhere along the lines from Rosa. So honestly, Rosa at this price does have some value on it. I cap her closer to 75% here. So there is some value on her current betting line. I wouldn't advise laying the chalk on a women's mixed martial arts fighter at around minus 250. That's just not a long-term winning strategy. But a prop for this fight, if you have five dimes, if you have bet online... Rosa points handicap for her to win by three and a half points or more. That means she needs to win the scorecards by four points or win by finish. I think that Carol Rosa either finds a finish here or dominates to a decision. I'll be pretty surprised to see Edwards have much success or to win a round here. So if you have access to that prop, check it out. I like that prop at plus money. My official pick will be Carol Rosa to win by 30-27 decision. The next fight is a 160-pound catchweight fight between Justin Janes and Devontae Smith. The current betting line for this one is Smith minus 300 to Justin Janes plus 250. Smith is coming off of an 18-month layoff, has not fought since he got knocked out by Kama Worthy in July of 2019. Justin James got finished in both of his most recent fights, and he is the one coming in here on short notice. And that's a concern for James because he doesn't really have the best cardio. He tends to be a kind of a front runner. A lot of his recent wins are in round one. So considering he has slowed down in the past later in fights, I definitely think that it's likely that he slows down here considering it is short notice. It is worth noting that the main fight that Janes gassed out in and slowed down in was the Gavin Tucker fight, and that fight was at 145 pounds. This fight is at 160 pounds, so Janes not having to cut all that weight is going to be an advantage for his cardio. In almost every one of Justin James's past seven or eight fights, he comes out really aggressive in round one. He bites the mouthpiece. He comes forward. He throws a volume. He tries to pressure his opponents and to land big punches for that knockout. And if he can't land that early knockout, he doesn't really have many more layers to his game. James can hit the occasional takedown and keep top position, but he has not done that consistently enough to trust him to do it here. But it would be a great strategy because as most MMA betters, analysts know, Devontae Smith was taken down, outgrappled, and submitted by John Gunther just a few years back. Gunther, a terrible fighter. So that fight is really embedded into a lot of people's minds. They're kind of just waiting for the day to fade Devontae Smith against a good grappler. He was supposed to fight Alex Da Silva. That would have been a good chance to do so, but unfortunately that fight was canceled. I don't think grappling in this fight is very likely. I think it's much more likely that these two stay on the feet and strike with one another. And these two have very different striking styles. You have Smith, who is kind of a medium to low tempo 
guy. He throws a lot of straight punches, a lot of low kicks. He does have some good power. He's got some knockouts in the UFC, but he doesn't really have a high pace. He doesn't really pressure his opponents, getting him moving on the back foot. And that was really one of the biggest problems in the Kama Worthy fight. He was just standing right in front of Kama Worthy, trading jabs, trading low kicks. He wasn't pressuring Worthy and getting him moving on the back foot. He was literally standing right in front of him and trading in the center of the octagon. And the first time that Devontae Smith really threw a combination in that fight, he got countered, he got dropped, and he got knocked out. Smith definitely prefers that single shot type of offense, that low medium tempo, a lot of the jabs, a lot of low kicks. Justin James is the complete opposite. He wants to pressure you, get you moving on the back foot, get you moving to the cage, and just unleash bombs. And he has some big power in his hands. He knocked out Frank Camacho in round one in a big upset in his UFC debut. So Justin James is very capable of coming in here and knocking out Devontae Smith, especially because Devontae Smith is coming off that long layoff. He's coming off getting knocked out, doesn't have the greatest defense or chin. So it's very possible for James to catch Smith in round one. So the Justin James knockout round one prop has some value. And I think the Devontae Smith late knockout props have some value as well because if Justin James doesn't get that early finish, I think he does slow down tremendously and eventually get finished by Devontae Smith in the later rounds. In terms of props to this fight, I like Smith round two, round three knockout. I like Jane's round one knockout. And in terms of money line value for this fight, I think the side to be on is Justin Jane's. There's no way you can be trusting Devontae Smith at 75% coming off of this long layoff, coming off of getting knocked out. And considering he isn't really the highest volume striker, he's kind of relying on knockouts himself. So... It's also worth noting that Justin James is kind of a killer, be killed fighter. Even when he was getting outstruck by Gabriel Benitez in his last fight, he was coming forward. He was trying to make something happen. He eventually did get knocked out in that fight, but he's not the type of guy to just concede defeat and to fight to not get finished. He will continue to come at you even if he's losing and getting tagged with strikes. So that's why I like those late knockout props for Smith as well. So just to reiterate everything, in terms of pre-fight money line value, I think that Justin James is the side. I think that he will come out in round one. He will fight for your money at that plus 250 price. I think if you want to bet Devontae Smith in this fight, wait to lie bet. Wait to see how Justin James comes out. Wait to see how Devontae Smith looks after the long layoff. Wait to see how the, fight, the pace of the fight is playing out. And in terms of props for this fight, James round one knockout or Smith knockout in round two, three. I really hope Smith doesn't knock him out in round one because that would be bad for my props and make me look like a bit of a fool, but I don't think it happens. I think if Smith wins by knockout, it will be towards the second half of the fight and not in the first half of the fight, um, so that's why I like those props. So the official pick for this fight is going to be Devontae Smith by round three knockout. I think James hangs around long enough, but eventually gets finished later on in the fight. So official pick, Jane, uh, Smith round three knockout, but there's a lot of different props to play this fight, and it should be a fun one that will likely end by finish. The next fight takes place in the light heavyweight division. We have Mike Rodriguez taking on Danilo Marquez. The current betting line for this one is Rodriguez minus 235 to Marquez plus 200. I agree with where this betting line is at. Now, I'm not saying that you should go out and bet Mike Rodriguez because he's not a very reliable fighter. He doesn't have the greatest defensive grappling. He can be pushed against the cage at times. He can be taken down. He can kind of slow down later in fights. So he's not a really reliable fighter. You want to be trusting at minus 200, but this matchup really favors him. Danilo Marquez is pretty terrible in my opinion. He has... Very lazy striking, he throws the occasional jab, doesn't have much defense. And I mean, in his debut fight against Kadis Ibrahimov, he threw almost no strikes at distance. He was constantly looking to get takedowns, get in the clinch, and he did hit a lot of takedowns. He definitely won that fight. He outgrappled Kadis Ibrahimov in that fight, but Kadis is terrible. That fight was 
absolutely dreadful to watch. And Danilo Marquez did nothing with top position. He didn't land ground and pound. He didn't go for submission attempts. So even if Marquez goes for takedowns and puts Rodriguez against the cage, he hits takedowns. I think Rodriguez has a great chance at standing back up and just getting back to distance striking, getting back to clinch striking, because I give a huge striking advantage to Mike Rodriguez in this fight in the clinch and at range. The fact that Marquez initiated a lot of clinches, went for a lot of takedowns versus Ibrahimov is enough reason to scare me away from trusting Mike Rodriguez here at this minus 235 price. There's always this slight chance that Rodriguez just is giving up that clinch too much. He puts his back against the cage. He makes his fight closer than it has to be. But I'd say the most likely outcome for this fight is Rodriguez just smashing Marquez with his strikes at distance and in the clinch. If you're looking to bet Mike Rodriguez in this fight, I think that the round one and round two knockout props are a lot safer because we know when that fight gets into round three, when it goes to the decision, Mike Rodriguez does not have a very good track record. He lost to John Allen via decision, Devin Clark by decision, and of course he lost that last fight uh, to Ed Herman in embarrassing fashion in round three. And if you like Danilo Marquez in this fight, I would say just play him by decision. Considering that he threw almost no strikes, didn't go for any submissions, didn't do anything in that Cadiz Ibrahimov fight, I think it's pretty unlikely he finishes Rodriguez here and if he wins this fight it will be just be by clinching by takedowns staying in top position and just grinding Rodriguez out so Marquez by decision if you like him and if you like Rodriguez I would say just take the knockout props rather than the money line so the pick for me is going to be Rodriguez by round one knockout the next fight takes place in the lightweight division we have Benil Daryush taking on Carlos Diego Ferreira the current betting line for this one is a minus 110 pick them on both sides the odds have this fight as a coin flip. I agree. What an amazing fight. Super competitive fight. Both of these guys are on tears lately. Benil Daryush, five-fight win streak. Carlos Diego Ferreira, six-fight win streak. Daryush seems like he's fading. He's getting older. He's having a bit more shaky performances, but the guy still is pulling out amazing wins. Comeback finishes. He was losing versus Drew Dober. He had a close moment versus Jakar Close, but he still gutted out both those fights and finished those guys. And I mean, these are young, up-and-coming guys. Holtzman, Close, Dober, good fighters, and Daryush is handling them all and finishing them all. So, I'll admit, I was betting on Scott Holtzman in that last fight. I had some concerns over Daryush's cardio, his durability. I thought he was fading a little bit, but I mean, he absolutely dominated Scott Holtzman, outstruck him on the feet, hurt him with punches, and knocked him out with that incredible spinning back fist. So my concerns over Daryush's durability and his cardio have definitely decreased, but they're still definitely in the back of my mind. This fight is a rematch. These two fought about six years ago, and Daryush won that fight very decisively, 30-27 decision. Ferreira's striking and footwork looked really sloppy in that fight. He was getting caught off balance a lot. He got taken down several times by Daryush, stuck on his back for the majority of the fight. But over the past five or six years, we've seen Ferreira improve so much. And I think Daryush has gotten better since then as well. But I think Ferreira has made bigger leaps in his improvements. I think Ferreira's footwork, his offensive striking is a lot better. And even his takedown defense is a lot better. The way Freire was able to stuff takedowns from Rustam Habilov in their fight was incredible. He had really amazing takedown defense in that fight. We've also seen Ferreira put on a great striking performance lately against Maribek Tysimov. He put on a great pace in that fight, was pressuring Tysimov, was throwing a lot of jabs, landed an insane amount of strikes versus Tysimov, and just had an incredible three-round performance, had high output in all three rounds, and won that fight very decisively. 
We have also seen Ferrer use his offensive grappling to win fights. His most recent fight against Anthony Pettis, he was able to pressure Pettis, get him stuck against the cage, take him down, and rear naked choke him in round two. Now, I also had some concerns over Ferreira in that fight. When he was pressuring Pettis, he did not have great boxing defense. He was getting countered with some big punches. His chin looked fine. He was able to absorb the strikes and keep coming forward. But still, that's not something you want to see when Ferreira is pressuring. You'd rather see him have good defense, defend those punches, and to get inside safely instead of kind of relying on his durability like he did against Anthony Pettis. Because against a big hitter, against a great counter puncher like Benil Daryush, he's got to really watch out for that defense for that chin of his because we've seen Ferreira rocked in the past before and we've seen Benil Daryush throw insane power in his hands recently. I mean, the guy's kind of had a career resurgence in terms of his striking, in terms of his power, and there is no question about it that Daryush carries some massive power behind his punches. So Ferreira's got to be very careful coming in inside on Daryush. In terms for bets for this fight, Pre-fight, I think it is Darius or pass. I think if you want to bet Diego Ferreira, you're better off doing it as a live bet or maybe st stabbing on Ferreira late round props, round two, round three props. The reason why I say that is because Darius's best round is that round one. That is when his strikes have the most pop. That's when his takedowns are the most effective. That's when he can still submit you. And as the fight goes later, Darius definitely starts to slow down. We haven't seen him tested late in fights lately. The only time he's gone into round three in the decision lately is against Thiago Moises. And that was a very easy fight for him. Complete one-way traffic. So we haven't really seen Darius tested in a close competitive fight in those later rounds in the past few years. And you definitely got to think the second half of the fight favors the younger, better cardio fighter in Carlos Diego Ferreira. I just said Ferreira is the younger fighter, but I just double checked that. And that's completely wrong. Ferreira is actually five years older than Benil Daryush, but it certainly doesn't seem that way. In terms of MMA years, I do think that Daryush has more damage, more wear and tear than Ferreira does. For the first half of this fight, the first five to seven minutes, I do favor Benil Daryush. I think he will be the better, more effective fighter early on. He will have a chance to counter Diego Ferreira when he's coming in. And there's a chance that we might even see Daryush hurt Ferreira with some punches along the way. If these two end up grappling along the way, it'll be really interesting to see how the exchanges go. Six years ago, Daryush won almost every single grappling exchange versus Carlos Diego Ferreira. So I think it's unlikely that Ferreira has somehow eclipsed Daryush in terms of grappling skill. I do think that Daryush still is the better grappler. I just don't think that we can trust Daryush to hit offensive takedowns and to keep top position for more than five to seven minutes with those concerns around his cardio. It's possible that Daryush's cardio concerns are being a bit overblown. I mean, the guy is only 31 years old, after all, not really that old, still could be in his athletic prime, so we could be kind of overrating those cardio issues that we saw in the round two versus Close and Dober. So it is entirely possible that Daryush does have better cardio than I'm giving him credit for, and he might be able to win more than five to seven minutes of this fight. But I'm going to end up trusting Carlos Diego Ferreira a little bit more. I trust his cardio, his durability a little bit more. I think there's just a lot less questions surrounding the physical state of Ferreira than Daryush. And that's why I'm going to be picking him to win this fight. It's a very close fight. Not a confident pick because I love both these guys. Both are incredible, exciting fighters. And I would be really happy to see either guy win. But I'm going to pick Carlos Diego Ferreira to win the fight, kind of on attrition and having the better cardio. I could see a late finish for Ferreira here. So I'm going to go with a round three finish for Carlos Diego Ferreira here. Close competitive fight, not the most confident pick. In terms of bets for this one, I think the pre-fight money line value is on Daryush. Maybe look to stab on Daryush round one props as well. Look to stab on uh, 
Carlos Diego Ferreira round two, round three props. And if you want to bet Diego Ferreira money line here, just wait and live bet. See how the first few minutes of the fight are going. See how hard Darius comes out early. But uh, that's going to do it for this fight. I talked about it a lot because it's an incredible fight and it deserves to be talked about. So really looking forward to this one. Official pick is Carlos Diego Ferreira by some, uh, let's go with knockout in round three. The next fight takes place in the featherweight division. We have Cody Stamen taking on Askar Askar. The current betting line for this one is Stamen minus 510 to Askar plus 395. I'm not going to spend too much time on this one. Askar is coming in here on short notice. He's fought most of his career at Bantamweight. I think he's a pretty poor grappler. He tends to march forward with just offensive striking, has no defense. I mean, just a one or two fights ago, he was coming forward with no boxing defense and got knocked out cold in the first 40 seconds. So I have almost no faith in Askar here. He doesn't deserve to be in the UFC, but he's stepping up on short notice. So I'll give the guy credit. And he's taking a tough fight against Cody Stamen, but Stamen's just going to be the better fighter overall here. Stamen should outbox him. He should outgrapple him. And I've seen some really poor grappling footage from Askar. So I think there's a good chance that we actually see Stamen find a finish later on in this fight. Even though Stamen is not a finisher, he's not a very aggressive fighter. I think the skill gap between these two guys is just going to be so large that we might actually see Stamen find a finish, even though he's not that typical finish type of fighter. So I don't give Askar much of a chance at all. His only chance is a standing knockout. So take Askar by knockout if you want to fade Stamen, if you want to take a poke on Askar. But I think it's extremely unlikely that Askar wins this fight. And you can honestly argue that Stamen deserves minus 900, close to 90% here. And I really do think he does. I think the statement inside the distance line at plus 250 might be worth a play. I do think that he can find a finish here. It could be by knockout or by submission, and I think it happens in the last two rounds. So the pick is going to be Cody Stamen inside the distance. Not sure how he gets it done, but uh, for fun, let's just go with a round two submission official pick. The next fight takes place in the flyweight division. We have Alexandre Pantoja taking on Manel Cape. The current betting line for this one is a minus 110 pick I'm on both sides. A lot of people have been betting Cape this week. He was an underdog for most of the week, but now we are seeing a pick him. We might even see Cape end up as a favorite when it comes to fight night. I think that's a pretty crazy thing to realize, honestly, because in terms of their career as a whole as a fighter, I think Alexander Pantoja has had a much better career. He's shown better skill in his fight, but it's all really about how they match up right now in time. Cape is the younger, more athletic fighter. He's the one who is still improving. While it's completely reasonable to question whether Alexander Pantoja is on the decline, we might have actually already seen the best from Pantoja because he did a massive amount of damage in the Figueredo fight. He had that back and forth round one war with Matt Schnell where he did get rocked in that fight. He looked a little bit shaky, but he still did get the win. And his last fight against Askar Askarov was arguably his worst performance ever. He was outgrappled for the majority of that fight, made a lot of dumb grappling decisions. He definitely gassed out in the second half of that fight and just looked terrible cardio-wise. So very bad performance from Alexander Pantoja. It's definitely influencing this line. In order to predict this fight, I think you have to kind of speculate which version of Pantoja will show up, because if the version of Pantoja from 2018 shows up, I think he wins this fight handedly, but if the Pantoja from his past two fights against Shell and Askarov shows up, then I think I will favor Cape in this fight. It will favor the Cape's athletic striking style where he can land big punches on his opponents. Cape is definitely reliant on knockouts, and when doing tape on this guy, he's a hard guy to get a feel of. He's definitely not a good defensive grappler. He spent a lot of time getting taken down, pulling guard. He does not do good when he's off of his back. In terms of Cape's striking, I think he's definitely made big improvements in his striking in the past year or two. 
If you look at the difference between his 2018 fights and his 2019 fights, I think he moves a lot better in 2019. He's starting to find his style a bit more. He has a lot of success with the southpaw stance. While early on in Cave's career, he fought a lot from the orthodox stance and just wasn't as good of a striker. So it's definitely a good improvement from Cave that he's found his natural stance, that southpaw stance, but he still switches back and forth a lot. And the way I see it is Cape is just very reliant on power punches. I don't see a lot of high output. I don't see much setup to his offense. He doesn't seem like a very skilled layered striker, but he swings hard. He's athletic and he's definitely got a lot of power behind his strikes. He can mix in an occasional head kick as well with some power behind it. So Cape cannot be taken lightly. He's going to be very dangerous in this spot. And if this fight stays striking at distance, I think I will favor Cape. I think he's got the better power of the two. And I think I might be able to trust Cape's durability a lot better as well. I think this fight really comes down to how active Pantoja is with the takedowns. If he attempts a lot of takedowns and puts Cape on his back early in round one, then Pantoja should win the fight because Cape has been outgrappled by a lot of opponents. And I think that Pantoja is one or two levels ahead of him in terms of grappling. And Pantoja is very likely to submit Cape once the fight gets on the floor. So if Pantoja comes out with the right game plan, he's looking to wrestle, looking to use his grappling advantage, he should win the fight. If he looks to stay on the feet and to strike with Cape, he's probably Probably going to lose the striking and get caught somewhere along the lines and get knocked out. So you have to ask yourself whether you trust Pantoja to come out and to take the easiest path to victory to hit takedowns and to try to outgrapple Cape, or you think he'll be stubborn, maybe come in with a stupid game plan and look to strike with a dangerous power puncher in Manal Cape. I'm going to trust Pantoja here. I think he does the right thing, follows the right game plan, looks to offensive grapple, and does hit that early takedown. That takedown in round one could mean the entire round. Pantoja could stay on top the whole round, or Pantoja might just submit Cape in round one because we really have seen Cape look bad off of his back, and I think Pantoja should be the much better grappler. The striking will be very close and competitive between these two. I do give Manel Cape a slight advantage, but Pantosha is no slouch on the feet and shouldn't be taken lightly. I give about a 60-40 advantage to Cape on the feet, and in terms of grappling, I give a pretty significant advantage to Alexander Pantosha, like an 80-20 advantage. So it's a close fight. It really depends on where the fight takes place. If Pantosha gets it to the ground, he wins. If it stays standing, he likely gets outstruck and knocked out. So... I'm going to trust Pantoja here. I think he gets the fight to the floor, and I'm going to pick Pantoja by round one submission. In terms of money line for this fight, I think Pantoja is the side right now. I think if you wanted to bet Cape, the time has passed. You could have gotten plus money on him for several weeks, and now that he's out of favorite, you should pass. I think that Pantoja can win the fight in a lot more ways. I think the round one kind of favors Pantoja and his grappling, so I think the pre-fight side is on Pantoja. And if you want to bet Cape here, I would go with round two, round three knockout props, or maybe look to live bet Cape after you see how he's dealt with the grappling, after you see how Pantoja is coming out. So pre-fight money line value is on Alexander Pantoja at this pick and price. Once again, pick is round one submission for Pantoja. The next fight takes place in the lightweight division. We have Michael Johnson taking on Clay Guida. The current betting line for this one is Johnson minus 210 to Guida plus 180. I'll try not to spend too much time on this one because this is such a silly fight. Johnson is the much better striker. Guida is going to be looking to hit takedowns. It probably ends up with a lot of cage pushing, kind of similar to Guida's last fight against Bobby Green. But MJ's takedown defense looked good against Thiago Moises in round one. He was hitting sprawls. He was stuffing all of Moises' shots. But once Moises really went rabies for a takedown, he went really hard for a takedown, jumped into a leg lock. He was able to submit 
Michael Johnson. So that was a pretty embarrassing loss, and that is no stranger to Michael Johnson at this point in his career. He constantly has embarrassing losses where he's beating up on a guy for the first half of the fight and somehow finds a way to lose. I think the chances that that happens to MJ here are much lower because Guida is not a finisher. He's not the type of guy to capitalize on a mistake and to finish the fight like Josh Emmett did, like Tiago Moises did. Guida just has almost no finishing ability, so the chance of a finish on Guida's end are super low. If Guida wants to win the fight, it's going to be by using his wrestling for three rounds straight and out grappling Michael Johnson. I think the chances of that happening are very low. Guida looks like a terrible striker. He just plunges forward into the clinch and doesn't have much setup to his takedowns. I think MJ should smash Guida at range and honestly knock Guida out. So the pick for me is going to be Michael Johnson by knockout, but at minus 210, there's no way you could be betting Michael Johnson's money line. If you like Johnson here, just take him by knockout. And if you like Guida, take him by decision. Michael Johnson could definitely win a decision here by just not pouring it on Guida, by being kind of conservative with his strikes, but the way Guida constantly comes forward, he was losing some striking to BJ Penn just about a year ago. He got dropped by Jim Miller a year ago, so I think the Guida striking defense's chin are pretty dire at this point. Guida is so far past his prime that Michael Johnson should be able to get him out of there with a knockout, so pick is going to be Michael Johnson by round one knockout. The next fight takes place in the bantamweight division. We have Corey Sandhagen taking on Frankie Edgar. The current betting line for this one is Sandhagen minus 365 to Edgar plus 300. I think this line is a bit wide. I would actually cap Sandhagen closer to 70 to 75% here. Sandhagen will be the better striker. He's going to be much longer, taller, using all of his range finders to keep Frankie Edgar at range. And Frankie Edgar is going to be trying to blitz into the pocket, use his own boxing to get inside, and likely try to attempt takedowns on Corey Sandhagen. Takedown defense has been the biggest problem for Sandhagen throughout his UFC career. Of course, his most recent loss was getting taken down, his back taken and rear naked choked in just about 90 seconds versus Aljamain Sterling. But Sterling is so much different of a grappler. He's much more of a control grappler, a better submission grappler than Frankie Edgar. Frankie Edgar is more of a wrestle and lay on top type of guy. We haven't really seen him take down opponents and stay on top of them in several years. That's really why I don't have much faith in Frank Yeager to win this fight is because even if he hits takedowns, Sandhagen's going to be hard to hold down. Frank Yeager doesn't have a great top game where he's going to consistently keep Sandhagen on his back. So even if Edgar is doing the right thing, getting inside, getting in the clinch, trying to hit takedowns, I'm not confident that he's going to do enough with those takedowns to win rounds and be able to win the fight. I will definitely say that I wrote off Frankie Edgar a bit too early. I was pretty low on him after him getting knocked out by Chan Sung Jung so easily, but he definitely proved me wrong in that Munoz fight. His cardio, his durability looked good at his Bantamweight debut. I was thinking this weight class wasn't going to be good for him. That weight cut would take a lot out of him, but his cardio, his output, his durability over five rounds looked very solid against a big hitter in Pedro Munoz. The striking will be competitive between these two, but I do think that Sandhagen is much more reliable to consistently win exchanges. Sandhagen just has so many tools, his straight punches, his leg kicks, he can throw body kicks, and he can throw spinning back kicks like he did versus Marais in his last fight. I mean, he can just attack you from so many angles. Sandhagen really is an elite striker in MMA right now, and I just do not think that Edgar will have enough offensive tools to win striking exchanges here. He has good low kicks, he's got solid boxing combinations, but I just do not see him outstriking Corey Sandhagen and being able to win a lot of striking exchanges. So 
In order to win, Edgar is going to have to wrestle a lot. He's going to have to win minutes from the wrestling exchanges, and I cannot trust his takedowns or his top pressure enough to win those necessary minutes for him to win this fight. So my pick is going to be Corey Sandhagen here. It really comes down to whether I'm picking by knockout or by decision. And considering that Edgar's durability looked good against a big hitter in Munoz at 135, I don't think that Edgar gets finished here. I think his chin holds steady. He mixes up those clinch attacks enough to save himself when he's getting stung with strikes. So I think that Edgar will make it to a decision here, but Corey Sandhagen will win that decision pretty decisively. I don't know if it'll be 30-27. We might see Edgar win around here, but I think it will be a clear decision for Corey Sandhagen. In terms of money line for this one, it's definitely dog or pass. No way you could be trusting Corey Sandhagen at over 75%. So I think that Edgar is worth a small poke, maybe half unit at this plus 300 or higher price. But the pick ultimately will be Sandhagen by decision. The next fight takes place in the heavyweight division, and it is the main event of the card. We have Alexander Volkov taking on Alistair Overeem. The current betting line for this one is Volkov minus 195 to Overeem plus 170. Volkov has been getting more action throughout the week. It was actually closer to minus 170 plus 150 earlier in the week, but betters are coming in on Volkov, and I understand why. I do think this is a good matchup for him. Originally, earlier on in the week, I was liking Alistair Overeem's chances a little bit better, but after doing some tape study, refreshing my memory, I realized that Alistair Overeem lost rounds 1 and 2 to Augusto Sakai in mostly striking exchanges, so he got outstruck by Augusto Sakai just a few months ago, and that leads me to believe that Alexander Volkov will likely get the better of the striking exchanges. Volkov looked very sharp in his last fight against Walt Harris. Both of these guys fought Walt Harris in the past year, so if we compare how they looked versus Harris, Overeem was dropped by Harris, had a bit of trouble, was able to come back and win that fight. Volkov had no issues whatsoever and was just completely dominating Walt Harris and was able to finish him with a body kick in round two of that fight. Much cleaner performance from Volkov there. At this point in their careers, I am trusting Volkov to be the better striker. He certainly has the better durability. Overeem's durability, his chin is always in question. He's been knocked out so many times throughout his career that his chin always has to be a concern. But in terms of technique and output, I do think I trust Alexander Volkov a little bit more. And if Alistair Overeem wants to win this fight, he's going to have to mix up his takedowns. Volkov can be taken down very easily. He was taken down by Verdum. He was taken down by Blades. Those guys are both great grapplers, not really on the same level of grappler that Alistair Overeem is on, but just the way he defended those takedowns, he's just not very coordinated from a wrestling standpoint and doesn't have a good chance at stuffing takedowns. So if Alistair Overeem pursues takedowns, there's a great chance that he gets Volkov on the mat. But once Volkov is on the mat, he is very hard to get dominant positions on because he has a very good guard. What he did versus Fabricio Verdum was just put Verdum in his guard, squeeze his legs together, and even an expert on the mat like Verdum had a very hard time passing guard and kind of just ended up stalling in the guard of Volkov. And when Volkov got taken down against Curtis Blades, he would just work his way to the fence, get on his knees, and Blades ended up riding Volkov out against the cage and was able to win three or four rounds by doing so. But... Blades is usually able to flatten his opponents out to get him on their back and to unleash ground and pound. That's exactly how he beat Alistair Overeem. He knocked him out in round three. But Volkov doesn't really allow you to get dominant positions like that. He is good at shelling up, getting to the cage, and not really giving up dominant positions like mount, side control. So it's going to be really hard for Alistair Overeem to do meaningful work with that top position. He might get takedowns. He might ride Volkov out against the cage. 
But Alistair is not going to be able to do much scoring. He's not going to be able to land damage. And Volkov is just going to chill. He's going to stay safe. He's going to regain his energy. And he's going to come on hard in those later rounds. That's exactly what he did versus Blades. Even though he got thoroughly dominated in rounds 1, 2, and 3 versus Blades, he didn't give up at all. He still had some good energy, some good outputs, and power behind his strikes in rounds 4 and 5. And that very same situation could happen here. If Alistair Overeem attempts takedowns early, he might get them, but he's not going to do a lot of damage. He's not going to tire Volkov out, and Volkov's still going to be there and dangerous in those later rounds. So if I were Alistair Overeem, I think the best strategy would be to have a low output round one and two, just stay safe, not get knocked out on the feet. And then in rounds three, four, and five, start to look to hit takedowns, similar to how he did in the Augusto Sakai fight. And that's when he can kind of catch the tail end of Volkov, when Volkov doesn't have as much energy, when he won't have as much time to come back from those late takedowns. So that would be the best strategy, in my opinion, for Reem. I don't think he's quite smart enough or capable enough to execute that game plan. And that is why Volkov is the favorite here. That is why betters have been betting Volkov all week. And that is why I eventually will be picking Volkov to win this fight. I think Volkov will be the better striker than Overeem. He might get taken down, but he's not going to give up dominant positions. Alistair is not going to do a ton of scoring with that top position. And I think that Volkov will be able to stay safe on the ground and just get back up to the feet and continue to outstrike Overeem on the feet. This is not a very confident pick. I was actually kind of leaning over him earlier on in the week, but after rewatching that Sakai fight, I kind of changed my mind a little bit. So I think where I capped this fight is around 60 to 63% for Volkov. Right now, the betting line has him at over 65%, which I think is a little bit off. So in terms of pre-fight money line value, the value is on Alistair Overeem here. I think it is dog or pass in terms of money line. If you want to bet Volkov, look to live bet, maybe take those late knockout props. I actually think this fight has a good chance at going to the decision. I think they will be somewhat evenly matched. Neither guy is a big power puncher. Both have looked somewhat durable lately. So I think the chances of a finish are too high here. It is heavyweight after all though, so knockouts do happen. But I don't think a knockout is extremely likely. So I think in terms of value on goes the distance on versus inside the distance, I think the value is on goes the distance here. So... The value bets here are over a money line and the fight goes the distance, but ultimately I will be picking Alexander Volkov. Let's go with by decision. I think he will win the fight, maybe 49-46. I think it will be somewhat competitive and not that great of a fight, honestly. So my expectations are pretty low for this one, and the pick is going to be Volkov by decision. So that is going to do it for this event. I analyzed, predicted, and discussed the betting odds for all 13 fights going down tomorrow night at the UFC Apex. Make sure you check my Bet MMA Tips page to see all my official track bets for this event. I'm off to a rough start in 2021, but hopefully this event will be our first profitable event of the year. Do not have any track bets so far, but I will be adding some over the course of the next 24 hours. So keep posting on them and make sure you follow me on Bet MMA Tips so you get an email every time I post a new bet. So thank you all for listening. Hope you all enjoyed the fights tomorrow and I will see you all next week. Peace.